Welcome to Help From Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. We are your Keyforge friends. I am Scuzzy Gruen. I am also called Alex, and I am joined this week by my Keyforge pals. We've got SC Steel. Hey, hey. And Boulevard Blake. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's going on? Really excited for us to be back this week. We didn't record last week on on our regular recording time because we had pre-recorded the fabulous key quiz episodes that we did with our pals over at Call of Discovery. Um, I just have to take a moment here to say that that was insanely fun. If you as a listener have not checked out episode 104, which was our half of the key quiz, or the second most recent episode of Call of Discovery, which was their half, please, please, please go listen to them. Um, we had such a great time recording them, and I have to give an enormous, enormous debt of thanks to Blake because there was a lot of stops and starts in the recording sessions. And when I listened back to the episode, it was extremely smooth. So very strong work on the edit, Blake. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we also should maybe bring to our listeners' attention that it actually happened to be by pure coincidence our two-year anniversary of that episode as well, episode 104, because we've done it for two years. We haven't missed a week. And that was the second 50-second week segment of the yearly fun that we have doing this. I absolutely think that this is going to be a regular thing. We, we of course, love uh, Ed and Zach from Call of Discovery and uh, always excited when we get the opportunity to chat with them. This was your first time actually, like, you know, getting to be on a podcast with them, wasn't it, Sydney? Absolutely. And it was super exciting to talk with them. I've actually been in their Patreon discord for a long time. So hearing their voices not be on a podcast was was a bit surreal. Yeah. Here, here's a tip for everybody. Ed's accent, completely fake. He just puts that on for recording. It's true. It's so true. Uh, but we're not here to talk about the wonderful fellas from Call of Discovery. In fact, um, kind of an interesting topic for this week and one that sort of stemmed out of some internal conversation between the three folks on the podcast today. Um, a little while ago, there was a, let's call it a, a slightly contentious um, conversation on Keyforge Twitter, the, the wonderful Keyforge Twitter community, about the Crucible Tracker application. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, the Crucible Tracker is an online extension which gathered information about games as they were happening on the Crucible, with the idea being that folks could install it and then use it to track stats. So, like, how games went, uh, what uh, your win-loss percentage was with certain decks and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's and, achievements that you could unlock as you were going, which made a, like a more of a gamification of playing online, which a lot of people really enjoyed and gave them in, an incentive to try like wacky decks and things like that. But the conversation that arose around it was basically about whether or not that tool should be used by players within the community. And people got very worked up about it. Um, I don't want to say that uh, anybody was was particularly like, you know, impolite or anything like that, but it certainly was something that seems like a lot of people had very passionate opinions out. And as we started talking in our sort of internal help from future self chat about it, I think we sort of came to some some interesting conclusions about why that is. So that's kind of be the 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 center of our conversation today. Um, we're not strictly going to be talking about the Crucible Tracker, but I think that that particular conversation really did lead us to a lot of interesting conclusions about why people are so invested in that particular conversation and why people had such strong opinions about it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting that uh, you have this this sort of polarizing thing that exists, and I think that it it is unique to an extent because of the game of Keyforge having unique decks, and so people I think have connections to their decks in ways that don't exist in other games because, um, well, decks can have memories associated to them. You could have got a deck in a specific situation where you got to play and did something cool or had a really fun experience and found that it was powerful or whatnot as a result. And now it's uh, it's tied to that moment because it is a one-of-a-kind deck. And I think that creates a whole new opportunity to have a connection with something that normally in other card games you would not have. Absolutely. In the same vein as you might have an emotional connection to the deck, there's also the competitive connection, which also is an emotional connection. If I've won a tournament or if I spent a lot of times playing this deck called reps repetition, if I spent a lot of reps playing my deck, I feel super, super attached to this deck. I know it inside and out. I'm probably really good at variants like adaptive, but I feel very closely tied to my deck that that I've spent so much time with. Mm-hmm, absolutely. One of the things that I think folks that are perhaps experienced uh, card game players, but who haven't spent a lot of time with Keyforge don't understand is that the feeling of, oh, I customized my deck that you get in other games that you can't do in Keyforge is replaced by a deep attachment to the decks that you like within Keyforge. Obviously, you can't just build the deck you like within Keyforge, although you do have the option to try and find decks that have the cards that you want and sort of go hunting for the kind of combos and other things you're interested in. But oftentimes, the decks that I think people are most attached to are the ones that they open up, discover something they love about them, and then those become part of their Keyforge experience. And so the idea of, you know, that information not being sort of, I guess, attached to them or in some way being, I guess, exploited, um, it felt weird for a lot of folks. And I can certainly understand that because I feel very attached to my decks and I find the idea of, of sort of them being reduced to sort of like a data point a little bit weird. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that like th- there's no way to know like how the data was used. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, people have the best intentions when they do things, but when the possibilities exist of it being used in some sort of nefarious way, uh, people's imaginations and the way they feel can really make things. Uh, it, you know, it's just the possibility, and I think we live in an age now that 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 sort of transparency and privacy is is becomes less and less in a way because of the fact that we live in such a digital age and social media is such a big thing where there is this sort of uh you're you're presented in such a public forum so easily that it it must translate to something like our decks in that way and and i think it's that that kind of interesting thing that exists within keyforge because we need to obviously address other card games that where a lot of it is based on building a deck based on what you've seen is really successful in tournaments. And then you go out, find the cards, buy them, build them, see how it plays, and then you play it. And you just learn how to execute from almost like a, a, a what is it, paint by numbers sort of thing? <laughs> and what's the most efficient way to play that deck? But that is not something that exists in Keyforge. Like, like the puzzle side of Keyforge, I think, is half the battle of why it's so much fun. And uh, I know Sydney touched on this aspect is you're getting those reps 
and figuring it out but it's like that unlocking it and that own level up experience you can't get from a deck unless you're buying obviously a deck that someone else had and you saw them play it and you understand how it works but uh, that that's a whole another uh, bag of tricks we're talking about your own decks and stuff like that and i just find it so interesting that there was such a polarized feeling like some people were really upset that the crucible tracker was not being talked about as the most amazing thing since sliced bread because they've got so much enjoyment out of using it because of the gamification because they got to look at their their stats of how they played a game or they played a game and want to look back and be like hmm did i actually do the most efficient plays in there could i have done something better like i know sydney you've had some experience using it in this way Oh yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I cannot imagine having become the player I am today without reviewing my own work. If you think about it, there are a lot of skills in life that you get better after watching yourself perform something. Is something like public speaking. You record yourself speaking and then you see mannerisms and things that you do on video that you wouldn't have actually noticed in the moment. And I do the same thing, well, did the same thing with the Crucible Tracker. I ended up looking at games I played. I played so many different reps, and then I would go back and see what was the most likely mulligan that I would pull, or did I make the right decisions when my hands had these combinations of cards in them? And recently, with the KFPL, I actually had a lot of success going over my games that ended up being paired against similar decks that my opponents were and were playing in the KFPL. So if I knew they had a triad of XYZ and I ended up randomly pairing with someone on TCO that had a lot of similarities in their decks, I would actually go back and analyze why I won or lost that game. So I really, really benefited from TCO having the Crucible tracker attached. And I think, now that I think about it, that may have been an unfair advantage, but I do think that it's something that I benefited from because I put in the time and energy and effort. So it was something that I was proud that I was doing. Yeah, and I think in the scenario that you're talking about there, Sydney, it's, it's very clear that the information you were looking at was the information pertaining to your decks and your gameplay. So it's not like, I mean, you could have had the same effect from literally writing down what happened in every game. Obviously, <laughs> that would have been way more of a pain to do, but in this case, the Crucible Tracker was doing that for you. And I don't think anybody could object to that as an unfair advantage. You know, um, I, I think that often, you know, if we're talking about sports, players review their own play, right? Like they watch video mm -hmm. replay of what they do to see how they did it. Um, I think you see that oftentimes in, in lots of uh, high-level games of all kinds where people reviewing their own play to find out what mistakes they made to analyze the way they dealt with certain situations and to try and internalize that for future play. So I don't think that there's any issue with that. I'm going to throw something out here. And this is probably coming from me as a fairly non-competitive player in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, it's fun to win. It's never not fun to win. Well, I shouldn't say it's never not fun to win. Sometimes it doesn't feel fun to win in certain circumstances, but you, you get what I'm getting at, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody enjoys the feeling of winning, and sometimes if you win a local event or do well in a local event, it just it feels good. So I'm not going to make you know the claim that I don't care about winning or losing because obviously there's been lots of times when I've done well or done poorly, and you know it, it affected me emotionally. But ultimately what I'm getting at is that it would never really occur to me to use the data from the Crucible Tracker or any similar add-on 
to try and improve my own play in anything more than a very baseline level. It's not just the way I'm wired. And I remember a little while ago, I actually uninstalled Crucible Tracker specifically because I found that it was having an adverse effect on my desire to play certain decks because I would look at their win-loss record as it was provided at that time by the Crucible Tracker. That's actually just now a stat you can find in your decks page on, on the Crucible. Um, and I would see a deck that I'd played, you know, 25 games with and it had a win percentage of like 13% and I would go, well, I'm never touching that deck ever again. And that was actually detrimental to my Keyforge experience because it meant that I was writing things off. And I'm not in Keyforge to only play winning decks. I'm in Keyforge to try and play interesting, fun decks. And if I win with them, that's great. And if I lose with them but still had fun, then that's also great. So I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of the tracker is it really does feel like it's a tool whose major benefits are for people who I think work in a more competitive mindset. Would you agree with that statement, either of you? Um, oh. I would, I would agree. And, and of course, one thing to note is the, there is a fairness with the crucible tracker. It's not mm -hmm. like it's an exclusive thing. Like anyone could have used it when it was available and it was just your choice, whether it existed within your, your gameplay or not. So it's not like there's an unfair advantage. Like not everyone had access to it. Cause that's, that's not a thing. It was just your choice of whether you used it. But the, the interesting thing that you're touching on about this whole way it could be detrimental to your decks or, or the way you you play is some people used it in a fun casual way like i said i mentioned there's the achievements on it like were you able to forge three keys without like in not your forge key step or or did you pull off epic quests like there was things like that like really really like niche card things that you could do that that kind of uh, brought people to want to unlock all those achievements and get those sort of fun wins with a deck that otherwise maybe couldn't do it or it was a really bizarre way of winning so that's like there was also i think one like win a game without playing any creatures like things like that existed <laughs> so it's it's really interesting that it created like i know i know dan from sanctimonious told me that he he literally like it gave him more fun playing Keyforge because he would do weird things with it and he'd want to unlock achievements and when there was a time when it, it wasn't available he said he didn't enjoy playing Keyforge as much, which I think is also interesting because you said the complete opposite, Alex. You were like using it made you not want to play Keyforge as much or certain decks as much. So it deterred certain things. So it's kind of interesting that that something can exist that has this, but it all comes down at the end of the day to our relationship to the game and with decks, which is what I find so fascinating about this whole discussion about how everything that came up through this. I actually felt the loss of it when it disappeared and not because I'm I'm doing anything as competitive at the level of the KFPL right now, but I am in two leagues and both of those leagues have us picking decks. If not every week, then right now I'm also picking the decks to start Coat 9 as well as um, the ABR. We, we actually have to pick decks and I found myself looking through my history with different decks to base decisions on because I've actually, I've played played such a breadth of decks that I have a lot of different ones in my collection that meet a lot of different criteria that my memory wouldn't necessarily be jogged if I just looked at the Archon card or the deck list because I have a lot of similar decks and, and I haven't been playing these in person. So finding them in my, my list on decks of Keyforge wouldn't necessarily get me there either. But when I was choosing my decks, it was really hard for me to have to go through all of the decks that I've 
uploaded to TCO and try and remember which ones were the ones I really wanted. Whereas if I went back into the Crucible Tracker and found the decks that played the games the way that I remembered them, then it would have been a lot easier for me to pick the decks I wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I actually have, since like the, I started playing this game, I was so enamored with the fact that there was a Keyforge app that I've diligently recorded all my decks win loss records inside the the Master Vault app. Like I nice. always wow. like, if you, like if you see me in um like like on stream playing and I'm selling like on my phone, that's usually because <laughs> I'm recording whether the deck won or lost in that moment. Like that's the reason why I grab my phone a lot of the time is because I'm I become like it's a routine and diligent uh, practice for me now because I thought it was so cool that that existed and then it's something I can always refer to. And then I use DOK to like just look up stats generally, like I'm looking for certain cards or a certain an aspect. And then I go next to my my Master Vault and see, okay, how many reps have I done with this deck as a good like sample sort of size? Have I played it enough actually is usually what it is. Have I actually played this deck enough that mm-hmm. it's viable for something that requires a little more thought? And so uh, it's interesting that you use the uh, like an, another tool in the game because that's all that we have with all these things are just tools that help us decide what we're going to do within the game in that way like it provides data for you in that way which is which is what it is what everything is it's it's a way of getting data for this unique game and us using that information to best suit our needs at the time with whatever match or tournament is coming up the elephant in the room with this discussion and it's a question that i feel like we have to address on some level um is the question that ultimately comes up is who has access to all of the data that is aggregated through something like the Crucible Tracker? And does that provide an unfair advantage to whoever that person might be or a person's that might be? I think one of the things that uh, points I wanted to make around this is that the Crucible Tracker uh, is the kind of thing that you see develop in games as part of a healthy game ecosphere. Um, When a game has a large player base, when people are invested in the game and when people want to play the game and they want to know more about how the game works, these are the kinds of tools that end up getting developed. And so I think one of the reasons that people were getting quite, I don't want to say worked up because I think that's a value judgment. Invested. Invested. Thank you, Sydney. In the conversation was specifically around the, you know, who has access to the data and does it provide an unfair advantage? And I think one of the things that I think is most interesting about this entire debate is whether or not being willing to parse that data, if it's available, is an unfair advantage. Um, I mean, I don't think that necessarily we have the time to unpack the entirety of that conversation, but I also don't think that we could go through sort of talking about this without addressing that point, at least on some level. I agree. I think that there there is a level at which going through the data to benefit yourself in a way that out in a way that is so much more outsized than how someone your future opponent can benefit themselves it there there's a it's a gray area there's a line drawn somewhere and it's somewhere in that gray area and it it can be on a a individual level, it can be on a tournament level, and it can be on a a global deck study acquisition level. And I think that it was brought up in that conversation that 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 line has been found and that line was crossed. Blake, I'm sort of interested 
because I know one of the conversations that you and I have had in the past is, you know, you've had a deck that you thought was really hot stuff and you really wanted to play it in a future tournament, but you didn't even want to play it on the Crucible because you were afraid of people getting sort of like insight into that deck before you had the opportunity to break it out at a sort of a high level event. Um, you know, is this sort of a foregone conclusion? Do you think, do you think that, you know, at a certain point, everybody has to accept the risk that unless you're strictly playing a deck amongst like confidants around a kitchen table, eventually some information about your deck has the possibility to leak out into the world. Uh, it, it for sure does. And I think it just comes down to like my my own personal approach because of the pandemic is I know I'm not playing as many tournaments, so I'm playing a little bit more fast and loose with what I think's hot. But it's kind of in a place right now where I know people do feel that way and they, and they don't want to have that information made public because they think they got some real heaters and they're looking to attend tournaments. And it must be really frustrating during a time when when there isn't a lot of like opportunities to play competitively like that in person or however you're planning on saving those for because you're basically sitting on something and not getting to really play it the way you want to or is it the fact that it can be taken in that way is that is that even like the fact that people have that worry is is that a thing that should exist within the game and there's obviously no control over that because it's just like there's nothing that's sanctioned that is being used it's all community driven and built and all stuff like that so it comes down to i guess the gatekeepers of these various things that exist and how much do you trust them? That's what it comes down to at the end of the day, because they're the ones who determine what happens with that information. Um, myself, like I, I have saved decks, but sometimes when I'm saving decks in the context you were talking about is mm-hmm. I'm saving it for a specific tournament that we're, that we were going to do locally. And I, and I, it's kind of like, I know this deck's good. I don't want to bring like a super monster deck, but if there's a really sick prize that I want, then I may be wanting to bring it out type of thing. <laughs> so it's like, it's like my desire to win, I guess, is associated with, with holding back certain decks. Uh, and, and since we played IRL casually, sometimes it, we could do things like that. But I do think the absence of IRL play has led to like these these online stats becoming more abundant because some people i think there was a point in time where some people just would never would play on tco they would only play irl basically which which made it that stuff like this didn't exist but when that is not an option anymore you and you love the game of keyforge what else are you going to do speaking of playing in person does this all blow over when we start playing in person again when games aren't logged it does on the crucible because of the fact that if you are testing for competitive play, you will be playing on the Crucible because it is the most efficient way to get in as many games possible. So you cannot get around that fact. Like that's just like a, like the automation is so like, especially with Dark Tidings. I don't know how many people are, are playing Dark Tidings on that level. But like if you think about like I've played real life Dark Tidings, it the games take longer because you're having to grab so many tokens like plus one power mm-hmm. tokens. I've never had to use them more so than I have in Dark Tidings. Totally, a hundred percent true. We should address the fact that there's been some major changes with the Crucible Tracker since, in fact, first we started having this discussion. 
yeah, it's it's true. It's um it's been made open source, and anyone who wants to take it over could. And I think there's going to be some changes coming down the road, and I believe the folks at TCO are working on some stuff down the pipe. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to have some access to more information on that and get some people from that side of things over to talk about the new exciting stuff. But from what I understand, it's it's going to be it's going to be something that's that's uh, addressing some of the concerns that people had. And it's not something that you have to use and will be logging anything without your desire to do so. So there, there is a fun future for this to exist in a way that I think everyone likes. And it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing that it existed in the first place because it provided an opportunity for a lot of people to love Keyforge in a way that they didn't without it. And I think when you have a new game that's growing, things like that are actually really important because a thing like a pandemic can can really kill a game and we've been lucky that it hasn't killed the game it maybe got stagnant for a moment but we've we've been able to have things that create enjoyment and excitement and new life into something that was uh, waning at a time so we have to be grateful for people going out on a limb and creating things like this anyways because it's literally the love of people enjoying this game in different varieties that provide the opportunity to have these experiences and sometimes maybe they're not what everyone wants other times maybe they're exactly what everyone wants and a lot of times it falls in between i think that's a great great sentiment i think my final thought on this topic is that i think it is unrealistic to expect that people are not going to be looking for data in a competitive game um if you look at uh you know the big the big you know, CCG games that are played, of course, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, whatever else. Like there is no high level tournament or even like, you know, medium level tournament that occurs where you cannot find the deck list of like every single, you know, top 16 deck and all kinds of analysis of what was in those decks and what variations were and win-loss percentages based on certain archetypes. That's that's just a given that that information is out there and it's part of the culture of playing the game competitively. I do think ultimately on some level that, that that's always going to be part of Keyforge and whether that's just down to being able to go to Archon or Canna and actually see, all right, what decks were top 16 at this particular tournament on this particular date or whether it goes much deeper than that in other ways, uh, it's just always going to be here and the question really does end up being around who has access to data and what that data is ultimately being used for. Absolutely. All right. Before we get to the final segment of the show, which you all know what it is, Sydney, do we have another winner for our big Keyforge giveaway? Absolutely. So we have had a handful of entrants from Finland. And so I am very excited to announce our winner and I, I Googled how to pronounce this. So it's Tommy Hapeniemi. Hapeniemi. So that hopefully that was that was correct. <laughs> but from Lottie, Finland, we are going to send you your box of 12 decks and the starter set rules and all the tokens you need to play the game. And I'm very excited for you to receive these. Hopefully um, you you throw a fantastic tournament with them. And if you would like to enter this contest, this giveaway to get one of these boxes, we only have three left after this. You can email hffspodcast at gmail.com. 
big shout out to all of our listeners in Finland and all around the world. Of course, cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called Help from Future Self. Sydney, you're on this week. Oh, wow. So I got to play an in real life tournament on Friday. Oh, wow. And it rocked my socks. I was so <laughs> excited to be there. The energy was overflowing, but you could you could tell I hadn't played in real life in a long time. So my help from future self is to remember and and maybe throw down a game or two on the table before you go to a tournament of any kind and practice things like flipping keys when you spend your amber <laughs> or or reading your opponent's archon cards or or even the going to time rules. If you're playing on TCO without a timed game and that's all you've been doing for the past year, the going to time rules might just be a completely foreign concept to you. So, and with dark tidings happening in person, those thinky games might actually take a bit longer. So my my help from future self is to play a game or two in person so that you you remember how to do how to do it. That is a great lesson and something important to keep in mind. I cannot wait until I can play Keyforge in real life again. It's been over, well, it's not been an entire year because we got some outdoor play in last summer. But uh, Blake, I'm, I'm, I'm busting for it. <laughs> we'll get to a park soon enough. Excellent. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and on The Crucible and on Instagram as Scuzzy Gruen. You can find the podcast on Twitter at HFS Podcast. Where can they find you, Sydney? So I am SC Steel on Discord and TCO. And where can they find you? What do you got going on, Blake? You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Blake. That's BLVD Blake, as well as my YouTube. And I just launched some new series this week. I got my Would You Rather set versus set, where I'm choosing one set and then using a Twitter poll to determine what will go against it. It's been a lot of fun so far with the first episode. And I've also started Bagadex, and that's right. It's uh, three decks from each set, and I pull one randomly from the bag. And basically, uh, I'm going to be using it as my uh, deck giveaway means. So you never know what you're going to get. Excellent. This was a really interesting discussion. Super glad that we had it. We'll be back at you again next week with more talk about Keyforge, its community. Until then, stay free.